Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Calling All Detectives! A fragment of glass, a tattoo mark, and a cake of mud. Those are the exhibits on this page from my casebook. A casebook of Jerry Browning, Private Detective. Take it from me, Jerry Browning, Private Detective. There's more than one way for a man's name to be mud. I was spending a few days at Smith's Mineral Spa at Green Falls, a health resort whose main attraction was its mud baths. So there I was, on my way to a mud bath. I walked into a room lined with what looked like surgical tables. There were figures on them that looked like creatures in some prehistoric nightmare. From head to foot, they were covered with steaming, oozing mud. A man in soiled dungarees and a sweatshirt came up to me. I'm Jason, the attendant here. Lay right down here, sir. Jason flung a white sheet over me, and I lay down, looked at my neighbor. The man on the table next to me was fat. Fatter than any man I'd ever seen. He was literally a mountain of mud. As I lay there, Jason wheeled in a huge cart. Here we are. Nice, clean mud, all scientifically treated to bring out the impurities in your pores. That's it. Lay back and rest. You've heard about mudslinging. Well, I felt it. Jason covered me with the stuff. And then he disappeared. I closed my eyes. When I opened them, a white-coated waiter, looking plenty out of place in those surroundings, was standing over me. Your lemonade, sir. He held the glass, fished from my mud-caked mouth with a straw. I drank it, dozed off, until... I jerked awake at the sound of the crash. Alongside of me, my fat neighbor had rolled off his table. And with good reason. He was dead. While I was having a mud bath at a Green Falls Health Resort, the man next to me dropped dead. After that, there was plenty commotion. Granville Smith arrived with Dr. Harley, his house physician. They plowed through the sea of mud on the floor and made for the table next to mine. I got up, dashed into a quick shower, rinsed off as much mud as I could, and grabbed my clothes from the locker. By that time, Smith and Harley had the body of the dead man in the anteroom. Who is he, doctor? His name, Mr. Browning, is Richard Bertram. The Richard Bertram, the financier. I gulped. Bertram and Bonds went together like ham and eggs. That is, if ham and eggs were made of gold. What happened to him? I know I had to take a physical exam to see that my heart and lungs could stand this mud bath. Dr. Harley nodded gravely. Naturally. And I gave Richard Bertram such an examination. His heart was as sound as a dollar. Smith flashed me a panicky look. That's just it, Mr. Browning. Richard Bertram was in good health, which means that he was murdered. Smith was right. It took only the briefest sort of examination to show that Bertram had died of cyanide poisoning. You're a detective, Mr. Browning. You've got to help me. When the news of this is printed, I'll be put out of business. People will be afraid to come here unless this murder is solved. I'll do what I can, Mr. Smith. Let's start by rounding up all the people who were taking a mud bath when Bertram was killed. Showered and dressed, the animated mud pies I'd seen in the bath turned out to be a group of highly solid citizens. There was Grant Wickham, head of the Merchant's Bank, Steve Claypool, Playboy, and Four Gold Polo Man, 
and seven others, all well-known, well-to-do business or sportsmen. All had been acquainted with the dead man. None of them could offer any suggestion as to why Bertram had been poisoned. I had the broken pieces from Bertram's shattered lemonade glass brought to me and found obvious traces of the poison, as well as one muddy and completely smeared thumbprint on one of the fragments. I knew that was how Bertram had been killed. I called for the waiter. No, sir. I didn't serve any lemonade to Mr. Bertram. I brought out one glass full to you, and I was serving out on the patio when... when it happened. Well, who did serve Bertram? A waiter shrugged. Could have been any one of the guys who work out in the diet kitchen. Have you asked Jason? That was a good question. Nobody could find him. Any place. I went back to Smith and Dr. Harley. They were sitting mournfully alongside Bertram's body, talking with an official from the coroner's office. A terrible tragedy. Simply shocking. I, uh, I trust, sir, you'll keep the publicity to a minimum. No chance of that, Mr. Smith. Uh, mind coming along with me? I'd like you to show me something. Smith got up reluctantly and spent a couple of minutes more urging the coroner's man to play down the murder. While Smith was babbling, I glanced again at the body. Noticed a curious discoloration on the upper right forearm. Dr. Harley noticed my interest. That's the remains of a tattoo mark, Mr. Browning, that Bertram evidently had removed some time ago. I nodded. Thanks, Doc. I turned to Smith. Let's go. I told Smith about Jason being missing, and the two of us really searched the place. Finally found him, limp and unconscious, behind the steam cabinet. <laughs> After he came to... Who slugged you, Jason? Jason was groggy, but Gabe. I don't know, Mr. Browning. All I remember is seeing somebody in a white coat, like a waiter. I didn't see his face, but I distinctly had the tinkle of ice cubes. Must have been a murderer because right after that I was slugged. I patted his shoulder. That's tough, Jason. You'd better take off that sweatshirt. Let the doc see if you've been hurt. I tell you, I was slugged on a hat. Take that shirt off or I'll take it off. I got it off him. And on his arm, I saw what I'd expected to find. A tattooing similar to the markings on the dead man's arm. The thing was a fine, sentimental work of art. Roses and ivy twining around cannons and guns. And bearing the legend, Dick and Jason, buddies in the AEF and forever. After that, getting Jason's confession wasn't hard. Following the first war, Jason gave Bertram all his savings to invest. Except that Bertram skipped out with the money. Used it as the foundation of his own fortune. Jason gave up trying to find him, wouldn't even have recognized him after all those years, except for that telltale tattoo that Bertram could never completely get rid of. Jason's story of being attacked was fiction, of course. He'd served the cyanided lemonade to Bertram. What made me suspicious was that one muddy thumbprint on the glass fragment. It couldn't have been Bertram's print. When you get a mud bath, your hands stay in the slime. The waiter holds the glass, you drink through a straw. As for the real waiter, he'd been immaculate. Like I said, when mudslinging ends in crime, it's impossible for anybody to stay clean. 